Hey guys, thanks for taking the drive down State Street. In today's episode, we discuss the seven habits of highly effective people. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to State Street. Hey guys, this is the co-host, the voice, Nick Kleitch, and with me as always are my compadres, uh, Cole Sazinski and Jeremy Machino. Gentlemen, how are we? Nick, we're doing good. I mean, I don't really have any complaints about my life currently. I get tomorrow off, you know, tomorrow's Labor Day for us, so we record this Sundays, comes out Tuesdays. Kind of pumped about that, kind of just happy to lay around, hang out, and maybe go uh, shoot some golf if I uh, get some time. Jeremy, you may not have any complaints, but that sounds like a lot of good things, and obviously we want to focus on the good rather than the bad. No complaining here. That's one of the tools that we like to use on this podcast, so that's very good to hear, but I'm also, I'm, I'm doing well. We are, by the time this comes out, um, it will be, we'll be under a week until football season. We'll be days, actually, from the start of football season, so uh, I, I gotta say I'm pretty jacked up for that, so that's where I'm at. That's, uh, that's great to hear, boys. Uh, yeah, I personally wouldn't have even guessed that this would even come with the year that we've had up into this point but um, I'm glad to know that that's uh, they're they're forcing that out and I hope college football is is good too and and NFL is always great but uh, I actually w- officiated a, we- a wedding this weekend gentlemen really what does that mean exactly so I was legally documented by the state of Iowa to to wed two people and bring them together so now they are legally married in the state of Iowa and I had the power to do that. Why did a person want you to marry them? Hey, they they know me. They uh they like me and they trusted me to get it done, I guess. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was it was really fun. Uh I was quite nervous, but I will say as it pertains to the podcast, uh my ability to speak in front of people and my tempo and pace I think was attributed to all the hard work we put in here cuz Got on the microphone and things felt pretty comfortable with uh, with what we do on a weekly basis. So that was kind of cool. Well, I guess uh, if any of our listeners are having an upcoming wedding, you know who to uh, hit up. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, yeah, uh, that's great. That's great. So we'll go ahead and, and kick things off here. So we are going to enter our next, uh, we'll call it a mini series. Uh, we're going to be tackling the seven habits of highly effective people uh, by Mr. Stephen Covey. Uh, this book is probably one of the most renowned uh, books as far as life and business goes that has ever been written. Uh, I think Think and Grow Rich may be the only other one that is uh, more used or more produced, more suggested from people. But um, we have a lot, a lot, a lot of good stuff with this book, and we're excited to get to it. Uh, this is something we're going to start off with to intro it, get into the first couple of habits right away. And then the following episodes prior to this, we'll cover the other habits and then also the, uh, the implementation episode as well. Yeah, I mean, to speak on how, uh, how renowned this book is, you know, as someone who is going through software engineering um, in my undergrad, I was actually tasked with learning the seven habits of highly effective people. So, I mean, this doesn't just apply to business, this applies to uh, many different ranges of career fields. Absolutely. And I think everyone should read this book. It's a heavy hitter. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of girth in it, and it'll challenge you for sure. Um, but I, I think we're going to go ahead and, and get right into the the first bit here. So a lot of what the seven habits is about is being able to to have a paradigm shift, so to speak. 
And what essentially that is, is being able to, to see the world, see how we approach life in just a different aspect, a, a different angle, uh, if you will. So the, the first part introduces kind of a fun activity. Um, the, uh, there's a, a study done with a class at, at Harvard Business School, and there's a picture. Now, some of you guys may be familiar with this activity um, that's been done in a different variety of ways. And uh, me and Jeremy actually talked off air on, on his version that he's seen, but it's a picture that resembles potentially two different outcomes. And so the first is you either see the old lady um, or you see this, this beautiful young woman. And so within this study that was done, there was a huge classroom argument on, oh my gosh, I see this. How do you not see it? And then the other side was fighting in the same capacity. Well, the whole paradigm shift or the whole big outcome of this was both people are actually correct in what they see. However, they're seeing two different angles. And so that's where we come off really hard with that paradigm shift is being able to know that people just live life and approach life in such a different angle than what we do ourselves. Yeah. And I just want to say, I mean, this is a super, like, I, I would encourage you guys actually to go out and do this. You can literally Google, um, what is it? Rabbit duck paradigm shift. And it will pull up the, the image we talked about where if you tilt it one way, you see a rabbit. If you tilt it the other way, you see a duck. And I mean, I would just like, that is like the, you know, the quintessential basically idea of seeing different things from a different angle where they're both correct you know so i mean it's super easy and you can do it yourself i would i would definitely urge you and then like the what the beautiful woman old uh beautiful woman and old woman picture I, you can probably google that too i think i've seen that one before as well yeah that one is uh within the book itself and it, it does such a good job to show a couple of very important pieces the first is just the acknowledgement that both people or all people can actually be right with what we're what we're talking about or how we communicate with one another in our relationships however the the way of getting there can be very different and i think that that causes a lot of misunderstanding and miscommunication because hey i see the old lady and i'm right <laughs> and you're over here no i see the the young lady i'm right and in reality we're both right it's just being able to come to the synergy and the communication to understand that we're we're actually both after the same task, but the way we're approaching that is vastly different. Yeah. And I think this is like a big idea that we, we see in today's world where only one side or one person can be right, where being right isn't always mutually exclusive. Like you can both be right on a different aspect, different angle, right? Come to a, come to a conclusion and work together to figure out how to do it together. Like a lot of the time where we see breakdowns is because people wanted to want to believe that only their side is right, only their opinion is correct, where it's in most cases, you can have many different opinions that can be correct. And we can work together to uh, come to a coherent solution. Yeah. And I think that we're going to take what we're talking about right now. So the whole premise of this book and, and what the paradigm shift is telling us is there is so much going on in other people's lives that we don't understand. So I'm going to add another story from the book. I do think it's very important. So the author is riding on a, a bus after a work convention, and he's had a long day. He's jacked up. He's ready to get to bed. And there's a, a father of three that are on the bus as well, and the kids are just wreaking havoc. They are crying. They're slapping around. They're just, you know, things are not looking well. And so he tries to be a kind man and, and goes to the guy and says, hey, you know, could I help you at all? And he doesn't really respond. And so he's kind of rubbed the wrong way. And then 
<clears throat> he has a short fuse, so he go ahead and he snaps at this guy and says, "Hey, would you get your, would you figure out your kids?" And he's like, "You know what? I would, but their their wife and their mom just died two hours ago, and I came from the hospital." And so that moment, right when he heard that, had a literal physical paradigm shift. Now, I share that just because it's uh, probably the best example of that, but that is what we're trying to discuss here in this book. And that's why it's so important as we dive into the habits to understand what we're trying to create as a whole is there's so many things going on in people's lives and it is our responsibility to build out the, the private side of ourselves, which would be the first three habits, and then introducing ourselves to the public after we have those things figured out to create synergy and et cetera, et cetera. So before we get to the, the habits, uh, one thing me and Jeremy had talked about off air um, is what we call the maturity continuum. And so what this continuum basically means is we are going from completely dependent in our lives. So when we are young kids we are in, in children, we are physically dependent in every aspect of our life. And now as we get older, both physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, we become more independent and more independent. And so it is our responsibility through that process to be able to gain more and more independence to where we're able to fully um, come to the world, if you speak, or, or serve the world. And uh, where this all leads to is where the habits come in. So these habits are helping us continue every day to build on this maturity continuum to where everyone in our family, so to speak, or our business or our, our, our podcasting gang gets to where they are completely independent. And then at that point, we start to create more of the, the public as well with uh, interdependent. Yeah. And I just want to touch on in interdependence as well. And that comes after you become independent. Um, what in interdependence is, is basically um, leading and um, creating a, uh, a good atmosphere for others to be around you now. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of hop off is they, they get independent and they, they don't strive for interdependence. And I think that's, uh, that's something that will definitely need to be, to be stressed, I should say. Yeah, that, that is a great point because I don't think... If you guys are in your jobs right now, let's say, let's say we're Wednesday at 3 p.m., when have you ever been introduced to this type of information or having this level of responsibility for yourself? Like, would you guys say that you've even been made aware of how to become fully independent on, on your ends? Not really. It's kind of, uh, uh, you're thrown to the fire and you kind of got to figure it out on your, on your own at this point. I think some people grow up more independent than others obviously like you like you just said nick and this is why it goes hand in hand everyone has a different story and everybody grows up with different things and everybody has to be independent at different ages of their life i mean there are people that unfortunately have to be independent and even help raise other children at 9 10 11 12 years old um thankfully the three none of none of us were were put in that position but that's that's kind of the bridge between what you're saying, Nick, of everybody kind of has a different story and this, um, this dependence to independence to interdependence. I was actually going to ask you guys both, um, where do you guys think most 20-year-olds or 20-somethings fall on that, that scale? I think for me personally, I'm getting to the point. So I'm going to say like, think of like a, a scale basically where on the left side is dependence. 
The middle is independence, and the far right is interdependence. I would say I'm just reaching the point of independence in my life. And once, you know, I fully move out, I become off all of my parents' insurance. Like my, I right, I'm like half and half on insurance right now. Um, but like I pay for my car, I pay for everything literally besides the, the place I live in at this point. So once I think I've reached that, I would like to say I have reached independence and I will start looking towards interdependence. That's a good. I w- that's a good answer. I would. I would say, <clears throat> especially with uh, age twenty six being where you have to take on your your full health insurance. I think that kind of uh, fully rounds out the the financial uh, maturity. To answer your question, Cole, on a scale to one to the ten, ten being the most independent, one being the least. I think a lot of twenty something year olds are probably at a five. I would say at, at a highest at a five, and I only say that because. We've had a couple of experiences in the working profession, and we've been able to get introduced to some jobs that we think are are going good for us. Uh, we've had enough exposure, hopefully, to know like how to live, if you will. Like we know we need to to fill up our car with gas, we need to pay our bills on a monthly basis, and um, and we're also looking at this from uh, a physical and mental perspective as well. And uh, I think we would all agree that we're just now mentally starting to fully get it and understand how to live um, on a day-to-day basis. But uh, the, the categories here that, that he has, and I really like these, so physically, mentally, emotionally, and financially, and then our job is to eventually become fully independent in all of those categories. So emotionally, that's something that doesn't get talked about a lot. I wonder how that how that is um, prescribed to know how emotionally mature you you are. I mean, how how emotionally mature do you guys think that you are? I think I'm. I would say I'm pretty emotionally mature. I don't really rely on others to make myself feel good, or like I can find joy in the things that I do and I can console myself for the most part in in the bad things that go on in my life so I don't for me I think I'm pretty emotionally mature and I would say a lot of like once I I think once you leave college you get a lot more emotionally mature because you're not around as many people but I would say like for 20 somethings um you can see a, a wide range of emotionally mature to like it's completely emotionally dependent on others. I would say in my case, the emotional maturity level obviously can vary. I don't think you're, I, I don't think personally you're ever at a constant um, of an emotional maturity. I think I look at it as of, I, I look at it through the lens of, I think there are times, I think, I think more than 50% of the time, I'm not even going to put a, a full number of it on it, but more than 50% of the time, the emotional maturity is there. Now, there are spurts, just like you get these little spurts of energy, or if you think back to when you're like in middle school, you have these spurts of just adrenaline or these hormones just rushing through your body. That's kind of how I look at emotional maturity as now a 20-something, is every now and then, especially with what's been going on in the world, with COVID, Mm. with social injustice, with an election going on, with uh, us sports lovers not having sports for a period of time, all of these things kind of coming in a, in a perfect storm, emotions have run high. I think in our country, throughout our country, I think everybody's emotions are high, especially with job losses and, and all the things that I listed uh, beforehand. Um, so I think that plays a factor into it. But I, I think for me personally, I definitely 
I'm proud of my emotional maturity, but I definitely do have spurts where it's like, yeah, you, you clearly don't have it all figured out yet. I like how you address that as you're not, you would never be fully emotionally mature all the time because of those things that occur throughout life. I think that's a really well, well way to put it. So, um, so the, the reason we're going in depth here to lead this to the get to the first habit is throughout the course of our life, whether you like it or not, or whether you accept it or not, we are, it is to our responsibility alone to be able to get from dependent to interdependent or excuse me, independent. And the reason that is, is it's no one, like no one should have to cater to your process of getting there. Now, I think as you addressed Cole earlier, that process happens very differently for people. Uh, but I still think it is to your own benefit to be able to get there. And then fully, once you're at that point, then we start, as Jeremy noted, getting into the interdependence where it's now we, how do we create companies? How do we create teams? How do we work together as fully independent people? to create synergy, to, to move forward our, to whatever our goal is. Um, so very difficult also. I'm not going to say that that is an easy process, <laughs> um, but uh, a thing that we should all strive for. So with that in mind, we're going to go ahead and get into um, a little bit of what this book refers to as P and PC balance. So in our lives, uh, we have uh, the work that we do, the relationships that we have, hobbies, et cetera. And we, we need to work on or, or be made aware of these two different things. So P in this is production. So what a desired result is. So what that basically means is we go out and do something, we get an outcome from that. So let's say I go do my job. I'm supposed to be making sales calls. I make sales. That is the desired outcome. Okay. So that is the, the P part of this. The PC, however, is the ability and the capacity to be able to produce. So how that relates to, okay, if I'm fully able to be a father in my family, I am now responsible for how my children are raising themselves and, and being able to take responsibility on their end. So my PC ability is now at a full balance as well. So it's having the personal responsibility to to take care of the things we need to take care of, but also the PC balance of making sure everything is operating at a high level. Yeah. And, and another way to look at PC is the process, right? You know, learning the process. And I don't think we, we spend enough time on the, the PC part where we're always compared about, or we're always concerned about the results, the, the product, right? But if we don't know how to get to the product, we don't know how to get to the results. What good is that result if you can't repeat it? So like, I think this is this was really stressed to me in school was learn the learn the process and then the process will give you consistent results. So learn how to care for someone or learn how to um, produce something consistently, and then that product will give you what you want. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like for me, like learning. So like I, I skipped over that. Right. Cause like for me, 
the process to me is learning how to do it correctly, learning how to do it efficiently, and learning how to do it um, basically the right way, um, how you would expect someone to do it. So like I, I definitely skipped over that part, but yeah, l- learning the correct way to get to your result is the probably the best and most effective um, process there is. And then we take that actually even a, a layer deeper where we want to do all of those things, but then we add in how do we do it on a consistent basis? And then also how do we get other people in the organization to also know how to do it and to do it consistently as well. And that's where shit gets really challenging because I can control as much as I can control physically, but if I can't teach Tyler in marketing how to do that to what I understand, this is the whole point of becoming effective in these habits is being able to understand now that that is at the deepest level of building the relationship to teach him, to get him to the full independence, to be able to work in interdependently. So Gosh, this is why I love this book so much. There's there's so much depth to it, if you can already tell. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So, all right. So that is those are all things that we're promoting out there for self-awareness. So th- these first couple of things I think are very important because we always need to check in to know where we're at at our level. No one's going to be perfect, but we got to continue to strive and, and get independent on all of these capacities. And then also working on being able to control the product or us, and then also how we work with others and how others work with us. So drum roll, please. Just kidding. We are, <laughs> we are going to go ahead and get right into our first habit. So our first habit of the seven, of the seven habits is be proactive. Okay. So to what the standard of the book tells us, being proactive is the ability to absorb a stimulus from something or someone and then have a pause, if you will. And then we decide based on the core principles of our character ethics, how we choose to respond to the the stimulus, if you will. So not as quite literal as like being proactive, though I, I do think he covers that in general. So making sure you reach out to people and follow up, making sure you're on time. I need to work on that, things like that. So like that's where proactive can be looked at, but the deeper meaning is our ability to change and control how we respond to stimulus. And we're gonna obviously go in onion layers here, but go ahead, Jeremy. I, I love that this is the the first habit of becoming independent because this is the one that I think people struggle with the most. And I definitely struggled with this a ton. Like being reactive helps absolutely, absolutely no one. Um, you have a, you have a problem and you don't want to be proactive about it. You're, you're basically creating another problem for someone else as well. And I mean, throughout high school, college, and, and really my journey to become independent I, I had to learn that being people are more uh, receptive to people who are proactive than people that are reactive. Yes. So there's, there's like three subcategories within this habit that I want to touch on. Um, I know we got, a, we got a lot to cover here, so we're going get, to get after it. But that is, so it says here, the basic nature is in nature and how we go, we either act or we are acted upon. So we have that choice. We have the freedom and the will to be able to choose those things. But to your point, Jeremy, so much happens at us 
that we have to know how to become proactive to A, be able to well receive the information first in, in a productive way that doesn't blow our brain out, but then also how do we handle the flow of some of these events that are coming out of us? Are we doing things that are setting us up for the most success possible through being proactive? And, and like, you know, there's always going to be times where you have to be reactive. Um, like the flash spur of the moment things that happen. Yeah, that's completely fine. But I'm like, I'm talking about the things that like are on the docket for weeks and you just, you put it off and you, you put it off until the point where you have to be reactive. And then you, you end up hurting other people because those other people are now waiting on you to do something. And, and that's, uh, that's like the first, the real big thing about becoming mature and becoming inter- in, independent. I, so just to preface with this, I have not read the book, but uh, if anybody is wondering or wants a, a, a really good summary with a really good explanation, there's a great YouTube video um, called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People Summary, and it's by Wisdom for Life. It's on, it's, like I said, it's on YouTube. Um, but in there, it talks, so I watched that, and it's like approximately like a 13-minute video, so it's not too long. But in there, they talked about reactive and proactive people. And what was interesting is they, the, there was a key word that stuck out to me. And it said, reactive people complain about circumstances, complaining being the keyword. Proactive people focus on things they can control. Things like attitude, effort, um, all those things that, that it literally takes no effort. You can wake up and choose to do those things every single day. And it's literally a matter, I think it comes down to that, is choosing to be proactive or choosing to wake up and complain about the circumstances that you've been dealt. Absolutely, man. And again, we are at a very high level, we are talking about habits. So we're trying to get these ways and forms of communicating ingrained in our subconscious so we don't have to think about them. We just are proactive. So they're all habits in that nature. But I love how he explains that being able to understand a you have a a decision on how to react i don't know if people understand that like you actually have a choice how you react now this isn't easy like getting news that you're fired and how to react to that like emotionally that'd be very challenging to be able to to handle that but again we do have the choice we have the choice to be able to respond how we would choose to respond so to go along with that cole were there any examples or was it just kind of qualifying saying that these were two types of people? Well, so I'm really glad you asked because there was, there was a kind of within that explanation, there was an example of these two circles and how they're, how they're interconnected. Okay. The first one being the circle of concern. Mm. And this is this, the circle of concern is more so people who are reactive. So they're complaining about their circumstances and their focus and their attention and their influence is coming from things like bad weather, people's opinions, other people's mistakes, politics, economy, all of these things that have negative influence. And essentially that's what makes these people reactive to the situations and the, the things that they're being dealt. However, within that circle of concern is the circle of influence. Now, this includes things like your attitude, what is influencing you, so the things that you spend your time paying attention, um, and learning skills, obviously effort, the things that you can control and the things that you get to determine, essentially on a daily, hourly, whatever you want to call it, annually basis. Um, and, and so that it, it went into depth on how all of these outside forces and all of these outside things in the, in the circle of concern are what drive reactive people, mm. essentially. Now, this inner circle, this circle of influence, this, this attitude, effort, 
learning skills, um, positive influences that you're spending your time on, essentially. Those are the things that these proactive people are using and the, these proactive people are benefiting from in order to get essentially ahead, a, a step ahead. Let's carry the ball on that and let's keep moving. So I, I love how this diagram, if you are listening to this, so imagine a circle, imagine a circle within the circle. So you are always receiving arrows coming in like Cole had described of things that are coming at you, but yet you always have the ability to shoot the arrows back out. So it's just constant warfare of how am I receiving and how am I outputting to the things that are happening to me and how am I fortifying the wall, so to speak, of the arrows going back out and being able to be in control. Now, to carry that to the the beginning part to where we talked about, your ability to become from dependent to independent builds the walls and gets the tools in the toolbox, so to speak, to be able to handle these things at a very high level. So that's where the two get intermingled. But I think it's a it's a cool video, isn't it, or a cool diagram to show how that explains all that. It's a it's a it's a really cool diagram, and and obviously they they do a lot better job of explaining the whole concept. I mean, I think we're capturing it very well here. But um, like I said, if anyone wants, they can go check out that video. But I thought it was really really appropriate, and I thought it tied in really nicely. Yeah, and and that was the second subcategory I wanted to touch on with this being proactive. Um, because again, if we think about how we prepare every day, every week, every month for things that happen. So a quite literal example, everyone had business plans and everyone had plans going into 2020. Nobody thought that this virus was ever going to create a pandemic. Okay. So talk about a quite literal thing coming into your circle of influence. Now that really disturbed some people and their circle was not very fortified. And so this year is probably a wash for them. The whole year is probably a wash for them is, is that is how and what has happened. And now there's other people that have gone ahead and have a very firm wall and a very firm tool toolbox, we'll say, and they weren't affected very much by it. They were, they were able to complete a lot of the tasks that they needed to complete. And uh, they were also being kind of optimistic about all the, the possible opportunities that came with the pandemic. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk about a personal experience with this, with the, with the pandemic, right? So I was furloughed due to the pandemic, like most of us are both laid off. A lot of us were laid off as well. I took that time to learn new things. Um, a lot about advanced analytics for baseball. So when I got back to work, I could hit the ground running. I was trying to be proactive so I could provide value to my company when I came back. Right. And within the the first, I want to say first five days I was back to work, I was already providing value above what I would have provided um, pre-pandemic. So by me being able to be proactive and going out and, and learning these things, because I, you know, I enjoy pitching. It, it makes it a lot easier to be proactive when you, you're doing something you enjoy. I, I will say that. But like being able to learn these things and, and bring something to the table that I wasn't able to bring pre-pandemic was, it was a great feeling for me. And it was a, it was a definite W, I will say. You know, this for me goes back to a quote that I heard Doc Rivers say, Doc Rivers being the, the head coach of the Los Angeles Clippers, um, who are in the middle of a, a run at an uh, NBA championship right now. Um, but back in July, kind of the middle of July, he said, people are writing off 2020 and it's only half over. We still have a whole second half to go. And obviously he's referencing, you know, he's using sports as a reference there, but we still have a, a whole second half of 2020 to go. And I mean, it's, we're into September, it's early September. So I think it's personally for me, it's still a little early to, to call 2020 a wrap. Um, 
but I, I mean, it's, it's literally a matter of, are you going to focus on, are you, are you going to focus and, and call 2020 a wrap and look to 2021? Are we going to boohoo and cry that there's still COVID-19 going on and there's still social injustice in the world? And, um, all, all of these crappy things that have happened and have ch- have, a, have changed people's lives, nonetheless. I don't. I want to be sensitive to that. Or are we going to focus on the fact that hey, we're getting fall weather. It's going to start to cool down. It's going to start to feel really good outside. We're getting football here soon, uh, ladies. It's going to be pumpkin spice latte time. Or guys, if you like those too. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be pumpkin patch season here. There's a lot of great things coming in 2020 that still that, that can that can turn 2020 into a great year. And and they that can take your focus away from the negative going on, forcing you to be a proactive person. And I want to say to those people who have already written off 2020, what if 2021 is the same way? What are you going to do then? You can't sit on your ass for much longer. I can promise you that. You're probably going to run out of money soon. No one's going to want to hire a dude that's been out of a job for, what, a year and a half, basically. Can't write off 2021, so you better be proactive and get ready for 2021, regardless of what happens. I am very glad that we had all of these these tremendous examples because I think as much as we read books and, and talk about this stuff, we have to understand how to turn it to action. And, and these are great, great things. I'm hoping to the listeners for to this episode, I hope we're relating to you guys and uh, really knocking the, the cover off the ball in, in that section. Nick, I brought up pumpkin spice lattes. If people aren't relating to that, I mean, I, I don't know. What else we can <laughs> I would agree, man. I I, uh, I chuckled internally when you uh, when you when you said that for sure. That was great. Um, so the last thing I wanted to touch on here, um, with this habit specifically, is a little bit of a short story. So in the book, uh, there is uh, another book that is referenced by Viktor Frankl. Uh, it's called Man's Search for Meaning. Uh, and long story short, Viktor was actually within the concentration camps at the, the Nazi um, or in the war, World War II. Um, sorry, I, I totally screwed up how I wanted to explain that. <laughs> but basically, he survived it. And he sur- was one of the survivors. He came out of that uh, in a way that was actually quite surprising. So Victor actually came out of that and became a very renowned doctor, I believe. Uh, don't quote me on that. But one of the quotes that he says in there is, no one can hurt you without your consent being given to them. And the whole reason why he is putting that in this habit is because no matter what the circumstances are, he was in a concentration camp, for goodness sake, he still in his heart and his character ethics had the ability to choose how he would respond in the short term with all the torturings and all the things that happened to him. But also when he came out of that concentration camp, how he was able to be proactive and go on to become a doctor. And so that is a heavy example uh, that I think is, is so powerful because that is to the extreme of your ability to handle your uh, yourself and know that your outside influences, no matter what they are, still cannot fully disrupt if you have a strong enough, like fortified wall, so to speak. So that was a lot. That was just habit one. But we're gonna go ahead and uh, <laughs> we're gonna go ahead and and keep trucking along here. So uh, the second habit uh, that we come across here, and and this is all in the private sector, meaning all of the things that you need to do to become independent. So. The, the second habit is begin with the end in mind. And so this is referring to vision and design. 
So in life, we, we run through things so quickly that we never really take time to design or understand what an outcome is that we desire to do. And this is a pretty easy example, but I'm going to throw it out there. Uh, so he uses uh, building a house. So you're not going to, you're not going to pound the first nail or you're not going to dig any holes until you have what created the plan blueprints, right? Plan. Exactly. So he uses that reference, of course, to how we want to live our life. So if you want to be a person that wants to shave off, let's say 30 pounds, you need to understand, okay, if I want to get to that individual, how do we create the design to get to what that feeling would be, how that person we act, would act, how that person would eat, how that person would, would work out, et cetera. But that is the, the visual concept of what we're trying to accomplish with habit two. And I think a good way of summarizing this is create goals and plans to get to those goals. So what we hear a lot in the, the baseball world is if you don't have a plan, you're driving blind, basically, right? If you don't know what you want to do to achieve your goals, how are you going to even achieve your goals? If you're driving blind, what are, what are the odds you get to your destination? Probably zero. If you don't have a plan, how are you getting to your goals? You're probably not getting to them. So being able to plan to get to the end is, is extremely important. And that's like, I, like, I can't stress that enough. I, I use this, I like, I literally use this, this habit almost every day in my life. I have schedules built out. I may use this too much actually, but I have schedules built out for me in the next month, the next year. I rely on uh, schedules to, you know, decide what I, what I can and can't do with my free time and all that stuff. So like planning and scheduling is, is a big thing in becoming independent and, uh, and mature. You know, when I was watching that video on, on these seven habits, there was, so I, w I was listening and, and watching um, about this second habit, and there was, there was a point made that kind of struck with me, and it was kind of cool, um, and it was that all things are created twice in your brain, or all, all things are created twice, once in your brain, second in the real world, right? Now, the important thing is to understand how can you take something from something that you create in your brain and apply it and make it tangible, make it real in the world that we live in today. Uh, and the point being made was that, so if we're talking, let's just say in general life, you need to clearly define the life that you want and what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And when I heard that, something that came to my mind, and it's something I want to challenge the three of us, but anyone listening to, to the three of us and, and listening to this episode is vision boards. It's, it may seem childish on the surface and it's like, I'm just making a, I'm cutting pictures out of a magazine or a book or whatever. And I'm gluing them onto a piece of paper and I'm making a collage essentially. But if you, if you sit down and you spend some actual time, you put some actual thought into it. And let's say you, you make this vision board and put it at your desk at work. That is a daily and constant reminder. Even if you're sitting at your desk making phone calls, you can look over at that and understand that each phone call you make, each number you dial, each, each, um, each marketing plan you put together, each, each piece of data that you, you research and put together, um, or whatever you're doing, it's a constant reminder that that's exactly what you're working towards. That is, that is a great, I wouldn't call that silly at all, actually. I, I love where your mind's at there because we take for granted the fact that we don't have multiple lives that we're able to live. And so what we're doing on a day-to-day -day basis is actually legitimately either happening 
to us or it's happening by design, basically. And that's what this habit is really talking about is we need to take the time to understand what the heck we want in life and why it's important and what we want to look like and et cetera, et cetera. I just had a voice crack there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so with that being said, we have a podcast. And so what we wanted to do is this all stemmed from an idea. We had an idea, and then what we did was we're living our life by design. We thought it'd be a good idea to go ahead and implement and take action on us, and then we got together to understand, hey, do we want to go from not having a podcast to living our life by design and actually doing this, and would this create happiness in our lives? Would it help build relationships, et cetera? And that's the transition that we went through in a thought process to where now we do have the podcast. So now we went from not living our life by default, but then living our life by design. Now, that's a very simple example, of course, but point being, these are very critical pieces. These are things that we need to to look at. What kind of car do we want to drive? You know, it, it could be as simple as that, but that can be done by design. And and this is the whole premise of, of this habit. And I need to work on this on more so a, a planning side for my, uh, my day-to-day being on time schedule. But I think I'm getting a little bit better with that. But anyway, so Cole, I'm going to throw this back to you just because I personally haven't seen the video, but I have read the book. So it'll be cool to bounce back and forth. So what were some other things, if there were any from that video that you, that caught you eye on this habit? So there was one other thing that I did want to mention, and actually you kind of brought it up, just what you're talking about as far as um, kind of what we did with the podcast, but whatever, what people do every single day. And it's funny because um, I think it's important to remember that we as human beings are not put on this earth to make money, buy things, and then die. That's not our purpose. We're put here for a greater purpose. We're put here for something greater. Whatever that is, you know, like we talked about when we were doing the, the series with John Gordon and the seed, that's your job to find out what your purpose is, right? Um, but, you know, Nick, you and I, I, I specific, we've talked a lot about money and making a lot of money. And, um, you know, obviously the, for the three of us, that's a goal in our lives is to be financially free, I think is the kind of the verbiage that we use. We want financial freedom. We want to be able to treat our families to trips and we want to be able to have things that we enjoy and nice things. But that's not the, that's not the purpose. The, the real question is what can we offer to life? What can we offer to others? What can we offer ourselves just in terms of happiness outside of the money, the tangible goods that we can buy and sell? Uh, and so that was one thing that was, it was, it was a point to be said in that video and, and obviously I'm paraphrasing that, but I think it's important just because I think that's exactly what, what we're trying to do. And I think that's exactly what it, it can go by the wayside because it's very easy, especially in today's world with all the nice things that we have in this world. We have a lot of really great things, especially here in America and, and all around the world. I mean, there's beautiful cars, there's beautiful homes, there's, there's beautiful boat, there's all, all kinds of things, whatever you like to do. And it's, it's so easy to get caught up in making that your purpose. Right. And that should just be, that, that should be the, um, the reward that should be. Yeah. That should be the reward of finding your purpose. No doubt. Absolutely. Because again, we, like you said, we're here to, to serve a purpose, but all of that again, stems from the habit itself of what do we want the outcome of our life to look like? And answering that question can be hard. Uh, it's a loaded question for sure. 
but it's to your responsibility to go out and create that. And I think that that is where life can be very satisfying. So to, to go back to like the, the money piece to what we were talking about very shortly, and then we can keep the ball moving. Um, we, we say that and, and what we're referring to and going after that is that is how we are choosing to design our life. That is the choice we've made, and that's where we want to design our life so we're able to go on trips and do fun things with our family, et cetera. So if that is not what you want your design to look like, then don't worry about it. That's okay. Your design is your design, if you will. So like, if you're totally into doing, uh, let's say, creative designing, and there's certain pros and cons that come with that, but that is fulfilling your design, then that is what is creating the ultimate happiness in your life is going after what it is that you are designing in the future. So not to get too long-winded on that, but just to, to wanted to give the fullness to the point that you were making. Um, the last thing I did want to say, uh, as it would relate to anyone in a leadership or management role that'd be listening to this, is being able to be a visionary compared to working in the day-to-day trench. So habit two has a lot of balance between where we're going, but then focusing on how to attack the day and the weekly activity as well. So that is an important piece. If you are a manager, you always want to be in the grind, so to speak, but you always want to be forward looking to know where we're going because we can't go back, unfortunately, and change things in the past. I think we'd all want that that cool magic trick if we could <laughs> if we could throw that out there. But we are going to touch on the last one here. So the last habit, and this has to do a lot with planning and organizing, um, is putting first things first. And that habit essentially is referring to how we organize and manage our time, both personally and professionally. So Jeremy, if you wouldn't mind, just because I feel like I'm, I'm talking our listeners ear off right now, uh, could you go ahead and give a lowdown on some of the, that, those aspects? So, so first things first is broken up into four different quadrants. Quadrant one is your, your most important. It is described as the tasks that are urgent and important, and you do need to do those like ASAP. Quadrant two is described as not urgent, but they're important. And what we do with those tasks are we plan for them. So then when they become urgent, we can execute. Um, quadrant three is described as urgent, but not important. So while it may be urgent, it's not important to you delegate it to someone else that it would be important to them to do or important for them to do. So like in, in, in that example, um, I would say like you get a, a lower level ask from a, a customer and it may be just so it just may be lower than what you are. So you'll give it to the entry level dude and you can go on with the high level stuff. And then quadrant four is the not urgent and not important tasks. And those, I think this, a lot of the tasks fall into quadrant four. And what that tells, what, uh, what first things first tells us is that we should eliminate those tasks. That or understand where it fits in our weekly schedule, basically. So we need to be very impactful efficient and effective with doing things that we need to do by putting those first things first and then trickle in some of the other stuff. But what I think is so cool about this book is it builds on one another. So if you are being proactive, you are using that habit directly ingrained with this habit of how you manage your time. That's where it gets really fun. 
Yeah, I think these this first thing thir first builds off of the second habit. Begin with an end in mind because it helps you um, reach that end more effectively. And being proactive is literally like ingrained into first things first. Like if you are proactive, you will already be halfway on your way to doing first things first. Well, I was just gonna. So I was just gonna say, and I was gonna add on to this just because when I was watching when I was watching this video on the internet, there was uh, it the the question that was posed for this third habit is what's the most important thing in this moment it is something that you can ask yourself mm. no matter what you're doing what's the most important thing in this moment for us right now the most important thing in this moment is getting a podcast recorded getting you know getting this out to the people that do listen to us whoever those are to those people thank you um but you know when you're at work what's the most important thing is the most important thing to check your emails is the most important thing to go on that sales meeting or, or work on that marketing plan that you're trying to get put together. Uh, that's, it's completely, that's, it's a question that you personally have to answer. And, and um, it's, it's obviously going to affect kind of your day and it's going to affect, it's going to affect if you're reactive or proactive. But I think on this podcast, we preach a lot of being future, being futuristically minded and, and thinking for the future. And this is kind of a good way to step back and you almost have to switch your brain a little bit to think in the here and now. You have to think where, you have to, you have to be where your feet are, as kind of the saying goes. As much as we love to think for the future and, and kind of like we talked about with, with the first, or with this last topic, number, the, the number two habit is begin with the end in mind. That's your futuristically thinking. Now moving on to habit three, think where your feet are at the right times. Generally, that's going to mean not checking social media. Now, when you get home at the end of the day and you've had some dinner, you're sitting on the couch, you're watching your favorite TV show, like maybe then it's, yeah, the most important thing might be to check Twitter, Instagram, and, and see what kind of things have happened throughout the day and what's going on in the world. But when you're on your lunch break or when you're at going throughout the daily, the, the day, the work day, or you're, you're taking care of kids or you're at a, a, a sports practice or, um, uh, recital for your for your dance class like what's the most important thing in in the current moment yeah and i think a, a big thing that goes along with maturity is realizing the time and place for quadrant three and four things compared to the time and place for quadrant one and two things great point um i mean a lot of a uh, lot of young adults really struggle with the with the quadrant four and quadrant three stuff where they prioritize you know so maybe checking social media or um, things they could ask someone else to do or like just simple monotonous tasks that aren't getting them anywhere instead of focusing on the, the here and now and like what really needs to get done. Um, and they, they're reactive when that happens then. And they're, they're now reacting to something that's very important, which is, uh, you know, just going to set them up for failure. So this can be viewed at and, and used tactically in two ways. So first is just the creation of what the heck your week looks like. So laying it out, understanding at what times throughout the week you're supposed to be doing those activities that are scheduled. So putting first things first at work, putting first things first on the professional side. But then also, this is where the habit becomes so effective is because you are understanding how to now operate during the week and being able to say no when things pop up because you're working on a quadrant one or a quadrant two activity and having that balance. I liked how you add that, Jeremy, on uh, your maturity level and, and understanding when the time is for certain activities. 
Our time is limited too, by the way. So if it's 1030, you know, on, on Tuesday and you're supposed to be doing something and you're not, you never get that Tuesday back ever again. You know what I mean? Like, so that helps us understand that we need to live with a positive urgency towards using these habits and, and getting the things done that we need to get done. Yeah. And, and I'm looking at the bottom of the summary and I think, uh, uh, really, this really hits home. It says if habit two advises you that you are the, pro- the programmer, so now you are programming your plan, right? Habit three advises you write the program and become the leader essentially practice what you preach and keep your personal integrity what you say versus what you do so you can say all you want you know oh i'm going to become a better person this is my goal this is my plan habit 3 is how you become that better person that it is your action it is what you put into place and how you prioritize these these different tasks and activities effectively make you who you are we're, uh, we're getting right down to it here, folks. So uh, if you're hanging with us on State Street, we appreciate it. We're going to be wrapping things up here, but it's been a meaty episode to say the least. So again, these are habits. They're, they're things that we're hoping to ingrain into our, our system so that we do them consistently without thinking. Now, will that always work out perfectly? No, but I think these are pretty damn good habits to try to work into our, <laughs> our day-to-day lives uh, if we're trying to you know get to the ultimate goal of living a happy and successful life. Um, to add on to that, Jeremy, with what you said, uh, very small quote says, most people uh, would say their main fault is a lack of discipline, meaning not being able to do what they need to do at the time that they need to be doing it. And so I think that sums up that third habit very, very well is I think we're all pretty aware of what need what we need to accomplish. It's the discipline to be able to act on that um, is is the the either the way we win or the way we lose. But um, I think we do this, gentlemen. Let's, uh, let's all give a little bit of a summary here to, to this episode, to what you think and what you feel, and then we'll get up and get out of here. Does that sound all right? It's fine with me. All right. Absolutely. Cool. I'm going to start with you, man. From start to finish on this episode, how would you summarize it, and, and what are some good things the listeners deserve to hear from you? I think the first thing is uh... – Understanding how to be proactive, and I, I think it's important to understand the difference between being proactive and, and being reactive. I think, it's, I think it's important to understand that it's a lot more beneficial to you as an individual, whoever you are that I'm speaking to right now, um, to your physical health, your mental health, your emotional health, your financial health, um, all of these things. It's beneficial to be a proactive individual because it's going to set you up for sustained success over a long period of time. Um, I think it's also important to under, to, to, to clearly define what you want in life. Mm. And, and that comes into play with habit number two. I think, um, having a clear understanding of what the end goal looks like and what you want that end goal to look like, that's your blueprint. And that's, that's what you're going to base building this vision off of. And, and, um, it gives it at least if, if nothing else, it gives you a starting point. And a lot of people struggle with where do I start? Well, right. there's your starting point right there. Lastly, I think put, put first things first. Um, it's just be where your feet are in the appropriate times. When you're, when you're going through this blueprint, part, this, this habit number two and establishing the blueprints, be futuristic and, and think futuristically. That's critical. Do not think in the current times. Do not think past think futuristically, but when you, when you have that established and you're into habit three, be where your feet are, be in the, be in that workday. Like Nick said, be 
make the most out of that Tuesday at 10:30 a.m. because you're never getting that back. And if you can be super uber productive Tuesday at 10:30 a.m., it alleviates a lot of pressure and a lot of stress that you could feel Thursday at 3:30 or maybe Friday at 4:30 when you're looking to get off work. Um, and so those are those are kind of some of the big things I took away, you guys. That that is phenomenal, and I think. Even though we've talked on this for quite some time, I think that that wrap-up is really well said. Jeremy, I'm going to kick it over to you. I think these three habits are the most important for young individuals. We are transitioning from being dependent for the last 18, 20, 22 years of our lives to becoming independent. And without these three habits, it's extremely hard to be independent. Being reactive forces you to be dependent on others. Beginning with an end in mind places strain on other people when you can't clearly define what you want. So you're basically running around with a chicken, uh, like a chicken with your head cut off, and you're forcing other people to help you out basically because you have no idea where you're going. And then setting and first things first is is probably the biggest point of becoming um, uh, independent from dependent. Because you're now figuring out the things that matter, the tasks that matter, the tasks that actually need to be done right here right now you find you figure out the tasks that need to be planned for and then you can differentiate those tasks from the the tasks that you probably shouldn't be spending so much time on and that's the that's probably the biggest point you can uh you can make in maturity and independence is being able to decide what do i need to do now and in the future to become successful compared to what could i be doing now that's you know maybe will just give me like five minutes of happiness or something like that 100% man and I think we're we're really setting off some fireworks here and and we're only on the first portion of the book. <laughs> so um what what I'll say to wrap things up here before Jeremy plugs our social media is uh kind of a flip. I think that we've covered the the habits at length and you guys have done a phenomenal job. Uh what I'm going to say is this. I'm going to get raw with you guys right now as our listeners. I want you to seriously challenge yourself. I want you to be serious with where you are at with these habits, where you are at in life. Because again, we're not getting any of this time back. We're never getting additional time added on. So as urgently as it needs to be, challenge yourself to get raw and understand where am I at and where am I looking to go? Because the more we lie to ourselves, the more we're working with the shorter time frame to go out and to live our life by design. So Jeremy, go ahead and plug social media. Yeah, guys, if you guys enjoyed the episode, please go ahead and give us five stars, like, subscribe on any and every pod- podcast platform you uh, you guys listen to. We love it. We love the support. You know, it's it's great to see that you guys like the episode. You guys love the episodes. We love seeing the, the five stars roll in. But yeah, if you guys want to follow us on social media, you can hit us up on Instagram. It is State Street Pod. Twitter is at State Street Pod. And Facebook is State Street Podcast. Excellent. Well, to all of our highly effective people on state street we highly appreciate you getting on and being with us and until next time guys 